last week, um, last weekend actually, uh, a few friends and I went to go visit um, our buddy Pat. He is doing this program upstate at Camp of the Woods, this leadership training thing. So he's been up there for the last few months. And so we decided, hey, we're going to go visit him. We're going to surprise him. So me, Anthony, and a few of our friends went. And his girlfriend organized the trip, so he was only expecting to see her. Instead, we had a big van full of our friends. And so we go up there, and, and the idea, as we're all arguing as to how we're going to surprise him, and eventually, as we whittled it down, we decided we're going to kidnap him, because that's, you know, what you do. So we decided to go ahead and do that. And so she comes, and she's all like, she goes up to him and goes, oh, hey, what's going on? He's like, oh, hey, I'm so glad you're here, or whatever, however that worked. I wasn't there. That's how it worked out in my head. And she puts a blindfold on him and begins to lead him to the car, to which some of our other buddies jump out of the car, grab him, throw him in the car, um, and then they drive to a different location. And this different location, I'm there. And I'm waiting to him. The idea was to get him like as if like he was getting thrown down in front of a king. You know what I mean? And so like I was on this like this balcony, this little balcony thing, and he was supposed to get thrown down and, you know, revealed. And so... Um, he is, you know, fighting our friends as he's, we're bringing him down this trail. And then we kind of put him on his knees and remove the thing. And I'm standing there in a shark costume. We got a picture. There I am. Uh, it is one of the greatest purchases Target that I've ever, at Target, uh, I bought this year. And so he's just so confused. If you could look at his face, he just is like, wow. Um, so you could get that off the screen. That's terrifying. Um, you're like, now how are you going to take this guy seriously? He's going to talk to me about Jesus, and he's, you know, wearing a shark costume. Awesome. Um, but anyway, so that we all laughed, and it was a good time, and so we decided to go back to meet his people in his program. And so I'm still wearing the shark costume, and I kind of get out of the car, and I think to myself, I probably should change out of this because I'm going to meet a whole group of people, and I'm wearing a shark costume. It's kind of weird. And right as I said, hey, do you think I should change? I look to my right, and there's a group of people congregating. Yo, it's a shark. You know, and like some guy charged at me. Like everyone, it was just like, and then you felt weird because you're standing in a group of people in a shark costume. No one talks to you because they're like, oh, it's a shark. And you're like, but I'm also a person. But for the remainder of the trip, anytime I saw them, they were like, oh, you're the shark guy. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm Andrew Muller. I have a name. You know, and so I got the nickname Shark Guy, and that just really stinks. Um, that Sunday we went to church, and some guy, so to their, one of their churches over there, and some guy was playing the saxophone during worship, really cool. And um, I guess he looked kind of like Anthony. So after the service was over, some lady turns to Anthony and goes, are you saxophone guy? <laughs> and then we were like, no. She's like, you sure? We're like, yeah, definitely not. So, you know, it's unfair sometimes when you get nicknames um, and I have a big problem with this in my life. Um, there's a few of us, I look at Jamie, because some of the nicknames I'm about to read come from her, which is awesome. Not at all. Anyway, so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to share some of my nicknames with you, but we're just going to be really cool. We're going to be, we're going to get closer for a second. Do not repeat these, okay? Can I get an okay? Can I get a, a resounding okay? Some people said no. I almost fell. Look, I'm going to trust you guys to just be nice to me here because I am bearing my soul before you here tonight to, for you guys to be nice. Okay, so some of these nicknames I've gotten over the years, we're going to start with the, the very easy ones. Muller. Okay, it's not a bad one. It's my last name, Muller. Um, because my last name is German, it was Von Muller. Um, so then in the hallways in high school, people were like, Von! I'd be like, come on. You know? Um, then it, then, I don't know, don't ask me how this one came about, but Smokey the Gnome. 
As I'm sitting here writing these out, I remembered, I'm like, man, I hated high school. And then we start to move on to Andy Pants, which is my all-time favorite to hate. So there's that. Uh, then there's Andy Pantry, which Jamie created, and I hate that too. Um, Andy just kind of came from you guys. Uh, Mandrew I'm okay with, because, you know, I'm a man. Uh, but the one that I am forced to have to accept and love is what Stephanie calls me, and that is mushroom. <laughs> because if you're like, mushroom, that's weird. I don't like mushrooms. That's, that's it. I don't like them, so she calls me mushroom. So nicknames are not always really fair because sometimes it doesn't really reflect what you're known for, right? Like Smokey the Gnome, I, that has nothing to do with me. Uh, we got this. You know, uh, mushroom, I don't really look like a mushroom. I hope I don't. Uh, you're like, he looks like a mushroom. Yeah, if, okay. If I did, then fine, that works. But most of our nicknames do not reflect anything that has to do with who we are and what we are known for. And, but it kind of brings up the question, what are we known for? When people look at us, hey, what are we known for? And we're in part two of our series called The Prophets. And we're kind of talking about some prophets within the Bible, and a lot of these prophets were known for the fact that they would hear from God and they would, they would relay God's message to the people. They were known to be people who were powerful when it came to the things of God. And I want to think about ourselves tonight. And those of us who call ourselves Christians, we, we say we believe. The question that I have for us is this. Are we known as powerful people of God? Like, if I were to grab, like, five of your closest friends and say, hey, tell me something about this person, what would they say about you? What would they say? Would they say, yeah, they're a worshiper. They're, they're, they have lots of faith. They're, they're very trustworthy. They're, they, you know, they always read in their Bible. Would they say those things? Or would they come up with five other different things? And see, the problem that we can kind of confess sometimes, and I'll, this is true of me, that many of us, we can call ourselves Christians, right? But yet these characteristics can sometimes be kind of far from us. And see, we can look like, we can sound like, we can act like, we can even smell like the world. And see, maybe it's because we believe the lie that only prophets and pastors and people in the Bible can do extraordinary things. Maybe it's like, yeah, I read the biblical text, I see and hear about miracles, but yeah, okay, but that doesn't happen today. And so we kind of live a very ordinary life. We kind of go with the flow of how culture works and how everything, you know, what we're supposed to love, what we're supposed to like, we kind of just go with the trends. And if you're not a Christian here tonight or you're new to your faith or you're just trying to like kind of figure out, hey, is this God stuff real? We're, first off, we're really glad that you're here, but we believe that, that God has designed us very specifically, that each person here has value and God has created you and put you in a spot to be able to make a difference, to be able to be you, not to be somebody else. And we hope that as you kind of come along with us for this journey tonight, as we talk about some things uh, that you would see that there's a God that loves you and wants what's best. And so the truth is, is that um, there is nothing ordinary about following God. 
There's nothing, and ordinary is just kind of like what the norm is. So if we go out into the world and we kind of, if you walk around New York City for like five seconds, you're going to realize what ordinary is. Very, very different from what God is all about. And so we realize that the truth here tonight is that nothing ordinary comes when we're following God, that it's only extraordinary things. But yet, if we look at our lives, we look at ourselves, so many of us, we kind of define ourselves, man, I just feel, I feel ordinary. I feel powerless. And see, what's at stake tonight is this, is that many of us have the power of God at our fingertips, but we just don't tap into it. Because what we're trying to do sometimes is we f- follow new paths to old places. Like maybe we tried to satisfy yourself with, with you know, a sport. Like I'm going to be the best at this, but then you hurt yourself. Can't play anymore. Okay, well, uh, I'm going to satisfy myself, so I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to be a part of this. I'm going to be known for that. I'm going to be known for, and we kind of try to go to all these areas to fulfill parts of our heart that only God can fill. And so, if we continue to kind of be ordinary, we're going to miss out on what God has for you and what God has for me. What God has for this youth group, what God has for this world, because if we kind of just go with the current and kind of float down the river of what the world says is great, we're going to miss out on all the things that God wants to do. And so the question I have is, how can we rise above where we commonly find ourselves and become something different? So tonight, we're going to talk about the prophet Daniel. And as we kind of look at his life and we look at some of the the situations that happened tonight's um, message, the subtitle is Snapshots of the Extraordinary. So we're going to look at these different snapshots as we go throughout this book of Daniel. We're going to go to different spots and we're going to see that God has us to live extraordinary lives. And as we look at these keys, I believe tonight that we can be able to see this unfold in our lives. And so a little bit of history real quick. In 605 B.C., um, the Israelites were, were very, very disobedient. God has sent many prophets to, to kind of tell them, hey, change your ways, change your ways. And the cool thing about when you read through the prophets is you see that God would be like, hey, I'm going to destroy you if you guys don't listen. And then he gives them like 100 years to change. Like that, it just shows that God is so faithful and God is so loving and God is patient. But eventually his patience comes to the point where he's, like, he's saying, I have to act out on my word. And so what he does is he, is he starts to allow other nations to conquer Israel. And so the Babylonians come in and they wipe out Jerusalem and they take a whole bunch of noble kids. And one of these kids and a few of these kids are Daniel and his friends. Now Daniel at this point in his life is about maybe between 14 or 15 years old. So many of you guys are around that age or close to that age. So imagine just being ripped out of your home brought to a foreign land, and what they wanted to do is they wanted to bring them into the king's court and brainwash them. And so what they're doing is they, they begin to, to, to rename them. They begin to teach them all these weird things and customs, so then they begin to think like, act like the Babylonians. And the reason why they wanted to do that was so that the other people they captured would, would be able to assimilate better. And so they wanted to take the best of the best so that they can be a greater country. And so we kind of come in on this really weird scene um, in Daniel chapter 1, verse 5. We're going to pick it up. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and wine, which he drank. So these are the guys that he kidnapped. He's going to give them great food. 
um, and he appointed that they should be educated for three years, at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now among them from the sons of Judah were Daniel, give me a break in here on the words, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The commander of the sons of Judah I'm sorry, the, the, sorry. The, the commander of the officials assigned new names to them, and Daniel, he assigned the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Okay, it sounds really confusing. We're gonna break it down. This is insane. Because these kids are like 14, 15 years old, and their names mean specific things. My name, Andrew. I know this will not be a shock to many of you, but the name Andrew means strong and manly. That's why Mandrew really works well. That's what my name actually legitimately means. Names have meanings. And, you know, back then, their names were part of their identity. And so what these people did is they began to change their names. They were trying to change the identity. Listen, listen to this. Daniel's name means God is my judge. And so they came and like, all right, we're going to change it to Belshazzar, which means Bel protect the king. Bel was uh, one of their gods. So they like blatantly start the changes. Uh, Hananiah means the Lord is gracious. They changed his name to Shadrach, which means command of Aku. Aku was one of the gods over there. Uh, Mishael means who is like the Lord. They changed it to uh, Meshach. My gosh. Um, And that means who is what Aku is. And so, like, that's, they're just blatantly changing it to fit their gods. Azariah means the Lord is my helper, and they change it to Abednego, which means servant of Nebo, and Nebo was another one of their gods of vegetation. And so, here they bring these children in, and they change their names, they purge them of their culture, and they begin to brainwash them. And for us to be, like, hearing this story, we're like, man, that's insane. You know, Today in our world, you know, you, you hear stories of, you know, villages being taken over and the people stolen. And, you know, I know there's, there's ISIS out there and they kind of do the same thing. And, and here in America, here in Long Island, like, we don't really worry about that. Like, we're not worried that someone's going to come to our house and, and take us and bring us somewhere else. And so we can kind of sit here and we can hear this historical account from the Bible and kind of say, yeah, that, that's crazy. I, I, I don't get it. That, but luckily that's not happening to me. But the thing is, is it happens all the time to us. The difference is it's not so blatant and we can't really tell. Because here is what's true. TV, movies, music, Snapchat, Instagram, some of these things, not bad things. But some of them have more influence on you and I than Jesus does. That when we look in the mirror, we look like Drake, or we look like Justin Bieber. We look like other people who God hasn't created us to be. God created me to be Andrew Mueller. He didn't create me to be anybody else. And we wonder why we feel ordinary. Where we can almost be predictable, and and some of us can be very, like, almost photocopied from the world. That we look like a carbon copy of that which we see all over social media and all over everything we listen to. And here tonight, what I want you to grab, because maybe that sounds like an insult, but I just want to kind of open up our minds to the fact that God has more for each and every one of us. That he's created you so specifically and so uniquely that he's given you talents to be you and not 
anybody else. And so Daniel kind of sees this coming and he makes a choice. And we see this in verse eight. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Okay, so the food and the wine was not just food and wine. It was more than that. It was in sacrifice to idols, that the idols and and the idol worship, that it was hand in hand with worshiping other gods. And so Daniel sees this and says, look, it's just not food. They want me to enter into their culture and worship. Now, and that, at that point, it's so easy, kind of like when you and I put ourselves in a group of people, we see everyone going one way, and we kind of say, well, this is the only way I need to go, and so we kind of walk in that direction, but I love what it says that Daniel chose something other than which, that which was given to him, that he made up his mind. He said, before anything changes or happens, if the guard doesn't let me, I'm going to make up my mind that I am not going to defile myself, and I'm not going to run away from who I've been. And see, the truth is that the road others want you to take isn't the only road. Let me just say that again. The road others want you to take isn't the only road. And so Daniel persuades the guards. He says, look, I don't want to eat that food. Me and my friends, we're going to eat something different. And in 10 days from now, if we don't look healthy, you can, you can end it. We'll, go, we'll do whatever. Because he believes something deeper. 10 days passes. They look awesome. They look stronger. They look just, you know, the Bible says actually fatter. They look fatter. I guess that was a good thing back then. You know, you and I were like, I'm going to go run off this food. They're like, hey, we're going to put it on. So uh, that worked out great for them. And look what it says in verse 17 that God did. As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. I love this. It says God gave them. Guys, the talents that I have that work is, are things that God has given me. But isn't it true when you try to muster up something in of yourself, it's not really that great? That the things that God gives us is amazing. That we're going to see our intelligence grow. We're going to see wisdom grow. See, the things that God gives are more powerful than what we can conjure up ourselves. And see, Daniel made a choice. God honored it and grew him. And so tonight, I want to, as we pause on that, guys, when we make a choice and we say, hey, you know, I know the world wants me to be one thing. But I'm going to follow what Christ says. I'm going to follow what God, who God has called me to be. And I'm going to try to figure that out. When we step out and make that choice, God will honor it and he will grow us. And see, this is the moment where we begin to see Daniel become a prophet. To my knowledge, there is no other prophet like Daniel. Daniel didn't actually have official calling. All the other prophets, you know, they were called by God. God said, hey, you're going to be a prophet. But right here, this is kind of where we begin to see Daniel's prophecy gift come into play where he's able to understand dreams. He's a 14, 15, 16 year old kid. He has dreams and he's able to understand things that are way beyond him. And we start to see this grow right now all because what I believe is that he made that choice and God honored that choice. And so the question I have is this. They ate off of God's table, right? 
They became brilliant. They, they begin to stand out. They begin to become themselves. And that's the table they ate from. But what is the table that you eat off of? What's the table that, that I eat off? Do I eat off of the king's table of the world, of, of all the things the world says is good? Oh, this sex is great. You know, drinking this is great. Listening to this music and, and acting like these people, dressing like that, becoming this, being the best at this, saving all that money, spend it in however you want. All of those things. And they just, they don't satisfy. That's the king's table. But tonight, there's a God that loves you. God who says, look, I sent my son to die for all of your mistakes, all that, the shameful stuff that you're embarrassed about, you're trying to hide. He, he died for that. He loves you and he's saying, eat at my table. I wanna make your life go from ordinary to extraordinary. And so we see the first thing is snapshot one. We see an extraordinary life starts with a choice. And when we make that choice, God will honor it. So let's move on. We got a lot of history here. So it's King Nebuchadnezzar. He's the king. And historically, he is a terrifying man to be around. And so he has a dream. He has this, this dream one night, and it is terrifying to him. He wants to know the answer. So he calls all his magicians, and he's like, yo, magicians, come in. Diviners, come in. We're going to figure this out. He tells them the dream, and they have no idea. And they start to buy time. You ever do that? Like, in, in like you raise your hand in class, and the teacher's like, What's the answer? And you're like, well, you know, uh, you know and you just try to buy time because you don't have the answer in hopes that someone else, you know. That's what they try to do. King Nebuchadnezzar completely realizes this, and he goes, you guys don't know. I'm going to kill you. Like, simple as that. And then beyond that, he gets so angry that he's like, I'm going to send a decree out in the land and kill all the wise men. So anyone who considers themselves wise, anyone who's, who's learned, they're going to die. At this point, Daniel and his friends, what they could have done, what you and I would have done, would have been like, I'm out, I'm going to run, I'm going to leave. But Daniel's, Daniel's like so tough. He just goes in, he approaches the king and says, yo, he, maybe not like that, probably with a lot more reverence, but he goes in and says, look, give me time. Give me time, I will try to figure out this vision and I'll get back to you. And then I love what the, what the word says. It says that he goes back to his friends and say, let's pray about this, that I might get the vision, that I may understand what his dream's about. So he walks into the king's courts and says, hey, I'll get this for you. Give me time. He doesn't have the answer at that moment. He doesn't even know if God's going to give it to him. Goes to his buddy and says, let's pray about this to happen, please, because that's what I would do. <laughs> Just be like, cool, I got this king. Go to my buddy. He's like, I have no idea. <laughs> And it's almost like right before he needed it, he had a dream. God gave him all the answers, so to speak. And so he approaches the king, and this dialogue is really awesome. He walks in there. You can imagine it just the king is just furious, anxious, like ready to kill everybody. And Daniel walks in, and he say, basically it's, he starts out his, his conversation like this. He says, look, your magicians couldn't do it. Your wise men have all failed you. And then he says something that he shouldn't have. In verse 20, Daniel 2, verse 28, we pick it up. He goes, however, there is a God. He starts bringing God into this to a pagan king. There's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. So at this point, we're like, Daniel, no, like, 
You're supposed to hide the fact that you are close to God because he's a pagan king. That's an insult because pagan kings, some of them view themselves as a deity. And so to bring up another one that they don't recognize is scary business. But Daniel says, look, don't give credit to me here, but there's a God who wants to answer this. And it's amazing. And so King Nebuchadnezzar listens. And, and he is satisfied with, with how he interprets the dream and no one else dies. And matter of fact, then Daniel is then promoted to be in a higher position than he was. And so now we begin to see snapshot too that an extraordinary life requires faith. It requires faith that sometimes we need to step out in faith and we're gonna see some great things happen because here's what's true of you and what's true of me. We don't wanna step out unless we have the answers, right? You know, you don't wanna ask that girl out and if you, know she, you don't know what she's gonna say, you talk to her friends, you're like, yo, you should like me. It's a scary thing. I, when I asked Stephanie out, no idea what she was gonna say. And then you know what she said to me? I have to think about it. Ooh! Yeah, it was a no as time went on. But then, time later, here I am. Thanks. <laughs> uh, for those listening online, that she said, oh, that's so cute. So I appreciate that. All right. But we would not do that. We would not step out in faith unless we know for sure that we were going to get what we wanted. In this case, Daniel had every reason to be afraid and say, you know what? Let's run. Let's be, let's get out of here. But. He stepped out in faith and God honored that. And so tonight, as we kind of look at our lives, man, what if we stepped out in faith a little bit more? Instead of saying our safe little bubble. And now we have the next snapshot that we're gonna get into. And so we've, we've talked a lot about Daniel, but we forgot about his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, the, and these are, those are their renamed names. And so Daniel was promoted, right? And some scholars say that because he was promoted, he was doing some of this stuff. And that's why we don't see him in the story of the furnace when his buddies were sentenced to that. So Daniel's perhaps off doing some business. We're not really, again, sure. Um, but what happens is that King Nebuchadnezzar, he's very self-centered. He says, hey, I'm going to erect this image of gold and everyone's going to worship it when music plays. And so they begin to play the music. People are supposed to bow down. They're supposed to worship it and they don't. King is angry. We don't want to, we don't like when the King Nebuchadnezzar is angry. He gets violent. And so he gets, it says he was filled with wrath and he calls Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to himself and basically says this. I'll give you one more chance. We're going to play the music. You're going to worship. And if you do, very good. But if not, I'm throwing you in the fire. Basically, you have to worship or die. And so these three friends who are close to Daniel, their response is incredible. Look what they say. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. We don't need to defend ourselves. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. I love this part. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. 
at this point, if you and I were standing there, we, we would just maybe question, well, why can't we just pretend? Why can't we just get on one knee and, and just pretend to worship the stupid gold thing? It's, not, it's gold, it's not real, like we can just pretend. Not these guys. See, they understood something about worship that maybe you and I don't get because they, they were able to look at this king and said, you destroyed our home? You kidnapped us? You renamed us. You tried to brainwash us. We are dressed like you. We were referred to by name as as people in your culture. But you don't own us. I don't know about you, but if we had that attitude, if we had that heart, what could God accomplish? (laughs) Again, these guys, they understood something about worship that maybe we don't. See, they understood that worship is where they get their power from. They realized that if they bowed down, they lost their identity because their identity was, wor- was rooted in their worship of God. And so they weren't willing to compromise anything. And think about, then I think about us. I was doing sound tonight, and our band is just incredible. Uh, I, we live in a time where music is just all over the world you know, in our ears and stuff like that. But like youth group bands used to be terrible. Um, I know this because when I was young, I grew up and I heard some youth group bands. I heard a lot and they are terrible. But the band that we have up here like does an awesome job. Anthony did a great job leading the team tonight. And, and week in and week out, we, I think we do the best we can to provide you guys with awesome worship, you know. But what would it look like if we sang What would it look like if we worshiped God? See, that's just one aspect. We worship God with our whole life, but what if in this room when we worship him, we we would sing at the top of our lungs that we would realize that there is power. See, they realized, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego realized that there was power in worship. So much so that they would not bow down to anything else. And then you and I, sometimes we could take so advantage of the fact that we could do it freely. Some of us, we just stand there with our arms folded. We just wait for it to be over. But this is God just kind of, just. I hope God is knocking at your heart saying, there's something so powerful in that exchange and don't let it leave you. And so we see snapshot three, an extra, extraordinary life is one of worship. And I'm just, I would just add to that true worship, not just singing a song, but doing it with their whole lives. And, and God was faithful and rescue those three guys from the furnace. And, the, and, the, and Nebuchadnezzar was blown away. Just wow. Truly God is with them is what he said. And so we go back to Daniel and we're closing up right now. Daniel 6. Daniel's 80 years old. This is right before he's thrown in the lion's den. So that's kind of weird. Picture your grandpa getting thrown in the lion's den. Some of you might like that. I hope not. But this is what this is what the spirit. Uh, yeah, don't tell your parents about that. This is what the scriptures say about Daniel. So a whole bunch of King Nebuchadnezzar is gone at this point. In uh, Daniel six, it says, "Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and the satraps, because he possessed an extraordinary spirit, and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom." He possessed an extraordinary spirit. 
And so much so that people were jealous and they, they tried to frame him. They tried, you know, he, he was thrown in the lion's den, but then God protected him too because God had a plan. And after that happened, he was appointed over the entire kingdom. And some people say that he was instrumental in arranging for the Israelites to go back to Jerusalem, to make that, to be a part of that process in King Cyrus's mind that he would eventually let the Israelites go back for Jesus and then be born for the sin, as time goes on and for our sins to be dealt with, that God's hand was in this whole entire thing. I see David had, I mean, sorry, Daniel had an extraordinary spirit and God wants to do that in us tonight. And so I just have one thing for us to kind of hold on to as we just kind of think about, we kind of recap real quick. We start with a choice. We live by faith. We step out in faith. We become a true worshiper. Uh, these are three keys that we talked about here tonight. But what I want us to walk away with is this, is that we, we would choose and seek the extraordinary. Tonight, that we would choose and seek the extraordinary, that when we feel the current of the world pushing us one way, that we would realize, hey, I'm gonna be who God created me to be. And so the question that I have as we're wrapping up tonight is what table do you eat from? Again, do you eat at the king's table where you fill your stomach just with everything that makes you feel good and, and everything? I want this, so I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna act this way. I'm gonna seek this out to make myself happy. You, you fill your stomach with choice food, but your soul is suffering. Is that you tonight? Or do you eat from what God has called you into? Tonight, we need to reprioritize what we find important. See, like Daniel made the choice, some of us need to make that choice here tonight. We need to look at our lives and say, you know what? This needs to be cut off. Maybe we need to give up some friends tonight. Maybe there's some friends that bring you to terrible places. You've got to give them up. Maybe you're in a, in a relationship that is destructive and you need to break up. Or maybe even something positive tonight. Maybe you just need to set your alarm a little bit earlier and say, you know what? I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to set my alarm. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to, I'm going to download the YouVersion Bible app. I'm going to study. See, not every single one of us have the same choice to make. But the choice that we can all make together is to choose and seek the extraordinary. If you're not a Christian here tonight or you're new to faith, you're just trying to figure it out, Christ made a choice. He made a choice to come to enter our broken world and to die for my sins and for your sins. But every other religion's like, hey, earn it. You gotta be this, you gotta be that. But Christ looked at us in our mess and said, I, I want him, I want her, and died for us. So you don't have to be defined by your past, 